It is 9.35. Joining me now, our dear friend Barb Lampson with Gardening with Barb and Karen. Barbara, it's cold, but there is spring coming in 30-some days. You know, I have to remind myself this every single day. The other thing is, happy Valentine's Day. And happy yes, happy Valentine's Day to you as well. And happy Valentine's Day to our listeners, and I hope that they have a delightful time. And you know, it isn't bad to stay home on Valentine's <laughs> Day night. You, one doesn't have to go out, get into a cold car, and go someplace and get back into a cold car or whatever. So uh, just, you know, take your loved one and cuddle up and be warm. And I want to say something. <clears throat> this My husband has learned this. I love flowers. You know that. Yes. But I always say buying cut flowers is such a waste of money. I'm sorry, but yeah, but right. I would rather, and he's learned this, so he would get me a, a gift card to go to a nursery and buy my own plants that I can plant outside and enjoy all summer long. So I know, but there are people who aren't gardeners who are like, oh, they're so pretty. But then they, they don't last very long. But did you see what I brought in this morning that yes. added color? Yes, a uh, little a little begonia flower. Very nice. Uh, I, a bunch of begonia flowers. So that's one thing. I kept them over from a, a container pot I had. And I have a little light downstairs that I have on it by the, a very light window. And they're just beautiful coral colored begonia flowers that I put off. And so we've got our own little fresh bouquet here. Yes. It, see, it doesn't have to be a lot. It can be just something very just small. Just a pop of color. It's, it's, a, it's a lot. And I can understand why people love cut flowers. Well, yeah. They're, if, if you're not raising them and if you don't have time. And they smell good. Yeah, they, it, it's Mostly. Yes. It brightens up, you know, something living. It's just really great. Hey, Karen, I just want to mention one thing. Every week I find something that I think in our newspaper or on the news, I think that was a great idea. This person is my hero of the week. And last week, I read in the free press about a farmer by Clearwater, Minnesota, who is raising beef, and they're just uh, uh, they're just raised on the grass that they eat out in the fields. In the wintertime, he brings in his own hay for them. Mm-hmm. But And they're rotated from f- field to field. And this is called regenerative farming. I'd never heard that term before. Well, we before. always used to do that, too. It, um, when we were farming, too, we'd have... You'd have a couple different pastures sure. when you would, you know, the cows would graze in the one pasture and they'd kind of graze it down and then you would put them in the other pasture to let the other grow up. So, I mean, I don't know that that's new. That's just something we always used to do if you wanted to continue to have pasture grass. Well, and we're, but we're seeing more cattle that are raised in feedlots. True. As a matter of fact, there's only 10% of the beef that are being raised today that are raised like this and where they're raised out in the fields. And they're out there all winter long. They don't come in in the winter either. They grow so, very thick fur, though, so they're yeah, okay. Yeah, exactly. So the man's name is Matt Meyer. The other thing that I found that was so interesting about him was what led him back to farming. He'd been raised on a farm, went to college, and when he was in college, he got a job with a landscaping company, and he was assigned to spray lawns. And after spraying lawns, he got very disoriented and sick. And after doing that, he did some research on the chemical he was using, and he found out it should never be sprayed without having on rubber clothing to protect your, and uh, also to protect your hands. And of course, he didn't say a mask, but we know that anytime you use chemicals, you're going to have to use well, a mask. if you think what some of those chemicals do, they either kill plants or they kill insects, they're killing something. So there's chances are in the 
right dose, they could kill you as well because they're harmful. And I sent you an article that just really popped in my head like, wow, I didn't know this. You know, I get a lot of gardening newsletters and it said the dangers of potting mix are highlighted <coughs> after the death of, death of a Christchurch gardener. Of course, Christchurch is in Australia. But I thought, well, what do they mean, the, the potting mix? Well, apparently um, this happens. It's you can contract Legionnaire's disease. Uh, because of potting soil. And this man, he was 77-year-old Miles McIntyre in Australia, died in December 20th from complications from Legionnaire's disease about six weeks after he fell ill. And uh, he was an experienced gardener, and he did the safety measures when handling potting mix, etc. He split open the bags, and he used a hose to wet them down well, you know, so you don't get the dust. And then he left them exposed to the air before he used the mix. And he wore gardening gloves, but he didn't wear a mask. And so this kind of concerned me a little bit because I guess this does happen. So I sent a note to our county extension agent, Shane Bajega, and said, well, is this a thing? Should we be worried about this? And he says, well, it's a small chance. There is that chance because, you know, with bags of, of soil, compost, you get different molds and things that grow sure. in there, especially if they're heated up, you know, when they're in yep. the sun or something. Yep. So he said, oh, and my concern was, you know, people like you with us, um, asthma, and I've right. got some right. com- uh, com- compromised immune system sort of thing. He said, you know, you sh- you certainly maybe think about wearing a mask. Yeah, yeah he said. Yeah. So he would recommend a disposable N95 respirator. And he says, make sure that it says N95 somewhere on the label. So this just made me think... There's also other things, you know, you, you, you worry about cutting yourself or things like that, which sure. I, I've done and had to go to ER. But this is just another thing I don't want to say to worry about, but to be careful about. Well, you know, th- uh, the thing is, somebody will read that or hear that and they'll say, oh, I'm so healthy. I don't have this problem. This could never affect me. But yeah, you don't know. You really don't know. I was and that so su- guy that I just read about. He was a healthy guy, as far as everybody right. knew. Yeah, I was so surprised when uh, I was diagnosed with asthma. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm healthy all my life, and all of a sudden here I've got this asthma, and I've got to start treating it with uh, with inhalers and things. So yeah, so I I went. As a matter of fact. I, uh, when I got your email, I was working with my house plants, which I do, mm-hmm. you know, very often in the wintertime. And I had taken a a meat fork. Do you know what a carving meat fork looks like? Yeah. It has the big tongs. And I was aerating oh. all the pots. Yep. And so then, the, the water can drain better. Yes. And so the air can get in there. Sure. So, and and then I had bought some miracle Grow uh, potting mix and I was adding this because the the soil in the pots, after a while, it starts going down. They kind of compact, yeah. Yeah, and so now that you've aerated it, you add this uh, potting mix, and the plants really respond well. They just perk right well, up. A lot of times, that mix has a little fertilizer in it too, so that yes. helps. But so then I read the instructions on the bag, and it said, "Use, do not handle unless you're wearing gloves." And I thought, oh my gosh, for this little bit. I, but I was scooping it out with a measuring cup. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I'm not touching anything. And then all of a sudden, I, I thought, you know, it's one thing to know that you have a problem, too. And then just to be uh, very cavalier about this. Well, uh, this is just a little bit. But you forget about the particles that are in the 
air that you breathe. They're so fine too, Barb, because I was, Grant has his lily seeds and I was taking some of the the, uh, seed starting mix and I was using my bare hands because I'm like, oh, this is a little bit, it's not that big of a deal. And then I read this and I thought, you know, I probably shouldn't have have done that. And I mean, I always try to wear gloves, but not always, like you said. So I just, something just to, to bring it to mind that we should be more careful and apparently there are about 35 species of this Legionella. And the most common is Legionella pneumophila. Phila. It's found in natural water supplies and soil. So just FYI. Um, yeah, something right. To, to think well, about. the other thing is there are, are these airborne things that we have to be afraid yes. of, too. Um, this uh, uh, Matt Meyer, when he got... Um, sick from spraying this chemical and researching it, uh, you know, he's, he absolutely quit. And then he said he, he started researching what he could use um, on his own land that was organic. And that's what led him to uh, having this herd of cattle, of oh. beef cattle there. And he found that in researching the soil, that if you keep a living root in the soil all winter long so that there's always life in there, you, you know, you have to balance everything underground with what's going on on top of the ground. This was so much better. And he said when this lawsuit was bought, brought by this gentleman who got cancer against the Roundup Company um, and the courts awarded him $80 million, although Roundup, uh, they they have went back to court and are contesting that. Uh, but you know what? Here's a quote from this paper, and it says that the um, case is under appeal, and the U.S. government sided with the company. Hmm. Why would our government side with the company and against us? I mean, you would at least think that they might want to study this or take more precautions. So if I'm not a lawyer, Barb. I, I don't know the, the reasons. But, you know, the thing is people say, wow, $80 million. But if you don't have your health, $80 millions is worth nothing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And the other thing is, um, don't be complacent. Um, just think for yourself and investigate for yourself. Um, if, if something's being sold, um, even if it just says use gloves, I mean, should you really be using it? That's that's the next question. Is it? Do I need? Is this something that's harmful? Should I even be using this? Well, I mean, with soil, I would hope that I, I mean that I, I would use gloves, and I. Sh- but but I mean, I, I'm if it's use- that if it's that harmful, though, if there's a risk, any kind of a risk, I don't know. I like to minimize my risks. So well, then you better not use any soil, Barb. <laughs> well, you know, or but, I have to keep raising. I have to keep doing my own compost. Well, your own compost can get it too, though. I mean, it's more likely, though, because when it's in bags, like it says how it it heats up and it will will, uh, multiply more. And it says, you know, it's not going to happen. Most people that get exposed to Legionella bacteria will be fine and will develop no symptoms at all. So we don't want to make this as like a a alert, alert. But there are a few people and maybe someone like you with with asthma, me with um, celiac disease that, it, that compromise your immune system, um, especially they say more vulnerable to begin with are older people, smokers as well. And just take care because you're at greater risk and it's just something to keep in mind when you use anything, really. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Any kind of a household product that you use in your house, you know, especially in the wintertime because we don't have... The ventilation. The, yeah, yeah, yeah it, that's, that's a problem. You know, um, uh, another thing I wanted to just 
touch on a little bit. I was thinking about um, an experience I had when I was in Georgia before I came home. I went to the grocery store, and, and they had butter on sale at this store for $2 a pound. And I thought, wow. That's pretty reasonable. Yeah, that's reasonable. I better buy a bunch of extra ones because we're going to do this Christmas baking. And so I did that, and I thought, well, you know, I'm surprised that there isn't a, a line in front of this dairy case because that is really so cheap for butter. Mm-hmm. And I was sharing that with my daughter, and she said, you know, Mom, she said, butter may be $2 a pound, but margin is $0.87 cents a pound, and that's what people, some people can oh. afford, or they can't afford anything at all. And it... um it made me think about how privileged I have been all my life. I have certainly not been rich, but uh, I have been able to choose what kind of a spread I want on my bread. If I want to eat margarine, I can do that, but if I want butter, I can do that too. And it it uh, caused me to think about what the purpose of being a master gardener is. And it has one purpose, to educate people and to help people. And so I thought, you know, we have to spend more time trying to impress upon people how if you can have a garden, you can raise uh, quite a bit of produce. And if you know how to preserve it, uh, you can preserve it into the winter. You know, Karen, I still have onions that I raise. They're they're in storage and they're just great. I still have garlic and... and Potatoes, probably. I've used all my potatoes. I didn't raise a big crop of them, but in, uh, in the canning, I have tomatoes, I have jams and jellies, I have relishes, uh, I have all kinds of things that were made from vegetables. And in the freezer, yesterday I went down and I took out frozen green beans with bacon, which is one of my favorite things. And I had made German potato salad. And you can freeze corn really easily too, sweet corn. Yes, and I froze corn and I I didn't raise that. I got that from a farmer friend Mm -hmm. who gave me some. But um, we need to uh, do everything we can for those people who don't have a garden, who have never tried gardening, to reach out to them and say, you know, even if you live in an apartment, you don't have a space for a garden, you can go to a community garden. And now is the time to sign up for those plots. And I know up at Good Council, if you can't afford the cost of it, they have a, a, a sliding scale uh, of, of fees, what you would pay. I'm glad you brought that up, yeah, because I got a note from Laura Stevens at the Community Gardens, which are on the Good Council Hill, and they say now is the time to register, and it says um, register by no later than March 1st to secure your spot. And if you are interested in becoming a gardener at the Living Earth Community Garden, they want to welcome you to gardening experience. No gardening experience is required. That's what they want to make sure you know. And... um, You've, so by March 1st, you should register, but then they say they'll be in touch with you about available plots um, where you, you're going to be situated by April 1st. So I know you always have the same ones year after right, year. Right, right. <clears throat> and they're on a first-come, first-served basis with all plots until the plots are filled 
And uh, and if they are, then you'll be added to a wait list, you know, and hopefully. You know, here's what's so great about up there. They provide all the tools. You don't need right. to go out and buy your own shovel or rake or hoe or anything like that. They provide that. And even a lot of the, the seeds, sometimes they'll have a lot of extra. We will, we will exchange seeds or if we have extra. Um, if you don't want to save over a half a pack of seed, you just put them in the, in the barn and, and there'll be a box and it'll say free, free, free. And uh, there have been times when people have had too many cabbage plants. They've raised them or tomatoes or whatever, and they'll put those up there. And, uh, you know, it's it's like first come, first serve, and you never know what there is. But surely, uh, you know, when I'm up there and I think, oh, gosh, you know, I have too many leeks this year. I'll walk around the garden with them and I'll say, have you ever tried to raise leeks? Would you like to try? How about a couple? And people will take them, and that's really great. Well, and, and that's the cool thing, too. When you're up there, if you don't know what you're doing, there is some Somebody like you will be up there and you'll be yes. willing to help. And so that's why I think it's such a great thing. And you don't need a big plot to feed a family. That's the thing. Uh, you know, I do the square foot gardening method, which you can grow a lot of food in a small space. And I mean, this is something you can learn about as well. And so, yeah, it's it's time to register now. You can go online to the Living Earth Center, MN.org and register online it's it's easy it's quick and like barb said it's affordable to anyone because you don't if you don't have any they will work with you exactly exactly and you know we have several of the nuns that live up there that garden mm-hmm. and they are just lovely like they're ambassadors they come around and say what are you doing today how is that <laughs> going and 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 they're just they're absolutely great too and then there's the other thing i would like to uh, impress upon people. If you haven't got transportation, so you can't go to a community garden, if you can, you can raise plants in pots. Uh, there was a time when it was much harder to do this because we didn't have some of the smaller plants, but you certainly, you can raise a variety of plants in pots and you can harvest your food that way. And then think about what am I going to do with this? Um, Do I want to dehydrate it? Do I want to can it? Do I uh, want to save it just as it is? You know, have I got cold storage? So I've got the right storage to hold these things over. So there's that whole part of it too. And here again, if if you contact the Extension Service, they'll put you in contact with a master gardener, or they can give you bulletins, or you can speak to Shane. Just such a wonderful addition to the Extension Office. And it's free. I mean, that's the thing. There's no reason you can't get this great information, and and they are so willing to help. That's right. It doesn't have to be expensive to get started trying to grow things, and just some common sense, and uh, just, you know, it can be such a great family project, too. And, you know, you mentioned containers. I, this weekend, attended a uh, Minnesota Hostess Society yes. meeting up in the Twin Cities, and they had a speaker, Bob Solberg, who is internationally recognized as a hosta breeder and has some of the most fantastic hosta varieties like guacamole, orange marmalade, to name yes. a few. Yeah, and he was. And the, I have both of those. Oh, yeah, I do too. <laughs> and he was the keynote speaker, Barbara. Yes. Do you know what his next goal is to do? Is to develop. A completely red hosta. Can you believe that? No, I can't. I mean, you just think what you'd have to do because these hostas are green, they're white, but how do you get to red? Well, I, he's already developed one called First Blush, and all the petioles, which are the stems, they are red, and then the, yep. the blush goes up into the, the kind of the center of the leaves, but they're still that green. And he said, my goal, and he's been doing this for years, is to develop an all-red hosta. But uh, his thing, his talk was on 
uh, raising hostas in containers. And, you know, you mentioned people who don't have big spaces. You can raise hostas in containers very easily. And he talked about, you know, how the specific soil you need and everything. And uh, he one thing he did say, Barbara, don't use terracotta pots. Because they dry out? They dry out way too fast. He says, unless yeah. you want to be watering all the time. And he says, you leave the, the hostas in the, the soil, and you every two to three years you repot them. So, you know, they really don't have a lot of... You know what you can do, though, Karen? If you don't like the look of a um, plastic pot, you can take a, a plant your plant in the plastic pot and then set it in a clay pot. So you've True. got that. And that helps hold it up in the wind, too. Well, do you know what? This is one thing he recommended. You know, just those basic black pots that you get a lot of your perennials in at a garden center? Mm-hmm. Well... He basically says hostas like to be root bound, so he takes and puts plants them in these. I don't know what what is this a half a half a gallon um, pot, Probably. and puts them in the ground and and basically it confines the roots in there. And somebody said, well, could you use that size pot if you've got a hosta that's going seven feet? He goes, absolutely. Sure. And then sure. you've got, he said, as far as the pot, even if you leave the rim up a little bit, which is a good idea because then voles and things can't crawl in. You know when they're tunneling through. He says, then, you know, the hosta leaves basically spill over and you don't see it anyway. So I thought, wow, isn't that cool? Yeah, that is. That I is might do great. that because I've yeah, got some hostas. I agree. Yeah, yeah. I, I absolutely agree. You know, I've taken the amaryllis because I, I bring them in in the fall. And when I'm lazy, I will just dig a hole in my perennial bed and I'll sink the whole thing in. Other times I'll just take them out of their pot and put them into the soil directly. Although, I'll tell you what, I do think when they're in the soil directly... I, I think they get, uh, the roots go down deeper and they get more water and they're less work for me. I don't have to water them as often. So you might want to check them out more if you have them in pots. Well, the thing isn't, too, with the hostas, he talked about when you put the hostas in pots, you can fiddle with the soil and make it, you know, better because hostas sure. generally like more acidic soil. So he suggested that uh, one of the main ingredients will be pine tree bark. That is one thing he says... For for larger larger pots, you want more larger particles. He suggested you do the pine bark. He says that's a must. You need to add. And he says as far as what kind of soil to use when you're doing in these pots, he's you buy the stuff at the store that's called tree and shrub mix. Oh. I did not know that. So the, I I've never some seen that. Oh yeah, I've got it before. It's it's for tree and, and shrub. It comes in bags and it's it's really a, a nice. It's a real nice um, fine soil. But he says it's all ground up then. Yeah, oh, and yeah. it's ground up really fine. And then you add, like he said, then add yeah. some of that those pine bark because they need that nice drainage. And he says, you know, you'll have to water a little bit. And he says, in some cases, you can add rocks to help with drainage, um, especially like with your mini hostas and things. So I really learned a lot of interesting things. And, you know, oh, yes. the Minnesota Hostess Society is, is 10 bucks a year to, to uh, join. I know. And, Isn't that something? And we're going to get access to some of the early varieties coming up. In fact, his first blush, I think normally you probably have to pay 50 bucks somewhere, is going to be on sale for less than 20 So, you know, things like that are kind of a bonus. You know, the nicest group of people, they are so wonderful and they're so helpful. And uh, we don't meet once a month. I think we have um, three regular meetings for the members a year. And, and a sale. And, and the sale, yes. And they're they're just great. They're so helpful. You can ask anybody for advice and they'd be glad to stand and talk to you and tell you exactly what you should do. Or if you have a, a host and you don't know what it is, bring a leaf with to, the, uh, to your meeting and somebody will be able to identify for you. And do you know this year that Minnesota is hosting the American yes. Hosta Society's annual meeting? I mean, it's a it's a big deal. It's June 
I think to the tenth through the thirteenth, but it's up in the Twin Cities. And I mean, this is not. Right. It doesn't come here every year, so it's called Hosta Vision. So if you want to find it, you can Google Hosta Vision 2020 and find out all the information. I'm going to be on vacation, Sally, so I can't go. But it's something I really wish I could because just amazing speakers, and I just want to let people right. know it's a good thing to. They have several garden tours also that you can. They're sign filling up, for. up and getting sold out. They said. Yeah, exactly. They have a Hosta sale there. An auction. They, <laughs> yes. Uh, it, so there's lots of things going on. You would want to want to just come up and participate at whatever level. Wonderful. Well, Barb, it's, it's, we're out of time, but it's so great to have you on the show, and uh, we wish you happy gardening. Okay, thanks, Karen. So much to know with gardening, and Barb and I love to chat about it. So we'll be back again next week with more 